0: There's a story inside every smoke shop, with every cigar, and with every person. Come be a part of the cigar lifestyle at Boveda. This is Box Press. Well, welcome to another episode of Box Press. I'm your host, Rob Gagne. And today we're on the Florida Sun Grown Farm with Jeff Borschwitz. Jeff, thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks for uh, coming out here and visiting the... uh Beautiful farm in Claremont, Florida. I know you guys made a little bit of a journey coming down here. Yes. And uh, we're, we're glad to have you here and seeing exactly what it is that we now, do. Now, this here. is a
0: true farm. So, during the interview, you're probably going to hear stuff going yeah. on and tractors going by and we're setting up for a really good event going on tomorrow.
1: Yeah. and This this is a working farm and, uh, and I'm one of those workers, too. So... Uh, But uh, that's what you got to do when you when you uh, have a farm in Florida and there's no other people that do it. You got to get involved, get your hands dirty, and make it happen. Yeah, you
0: were working earlier, stringing (laughs) some tobacco on some strings. (laughs) Right, we're setting up here. Right, Jeff. Let's talk about the Florida SunGrown cigar that we're actually smoking right now.
1: So this is a Florida SunGrown made by Drew Estate. Um, This is the national uh, brand of Florida SunGrown that you can get at all of your Drew Estate Diplomat retailers. And we introduced this cigar. I would say it was probably about not really great with dates. I'd say maybe three, four years ago. Sure. And uh, uh, it's been a hit. I really, I got my, this is my personal favorite. I smoke these Robustos all day long. I'm probably the best customer. So <laughs> That's uh, good. But it's a it's a fantastic cigar. It's got FSG in a filler and uh, Nicaraguan Honduran fillers and a uh, Brazilian uh, Paraca. Uh, wrapper on it so it's just really nice and there's another there's two versions of this too there's a box press version a limited edition one okay which uses the the broadleaf from uh connecticut on it that's got a little more a little more umph to it it's a little stronger but uh, this is more of a medium bodied cigar and this is my go-to stick i smoke them all the time i love it and uh i love everything about the way it looks the way it feels the way it tastes this is uh this is a uh rewards of the fruits of our labor
0: yeah i would say it's very very nice and well balanced I do definitely get some of that uh, pepper that you're talking about, that strength through the retrohale. Is that coming from the Florida Sun Grown?
1: Yeah, one of the things about the tobacco that we grow here, it's uh, all Corojo 99 seed okay. variety. And um, Florida Sun Grown tobacco has a very distinct flavor to it. Yeah. And it is it is quite spicy. And there's the good part is is that when you blend it with other tobaccos, you can taste it. It definitely. It's not one of those. Holds that gets, it on. It, it dominates. Um, oh, so, really? Yeah. So when you put it in there, it's sort of like, uh, you know, if you're cooking with with different herbs or spices, this is one that when you put it in there, you're gonna taste it.
0: Use so, it sparingly. Well,
1: I wouldn't say necessarily say sparingly, but it definitely adds a big influence to the cigar. So that's good. That was, you know, we when you grow cigar tobacco, you cannot control what your product's going to taste like. Right. You can control the quality of your leaf. You can control the size, you can control the you know, whether it's got bug holes or things like that. But at the end of the day, what your tobacco tastes like, um, that's out of your control. So we were really lucky that the tobacco, the end product was something that is distinct because if we ended up with a tobacco that was not distinct Yeah, it fell flat it, it, well if you couldn't really taste the difference whether the right. cigar had it or not we really wouldn't what would be the point of doing it right. and i don't think the the florida sungrown project would have worked but when we registered the name florida sungrown with the state of florida mm-hmm. if we weren't in florida that we would not be allowed to register that name gotcha. period and when we have our tobacco has a certificate of origin on it So that U.S. Department of Agriculture and the Florida Department of Agriculture verifies that it comes from this farm. Gotcha. So so fortunately, Florida, Florida has been doing this for a while and they needed to because there's there's stone crab that they catch out off the off the Gulf of Mexico. There there's there's, you know, grouper and red snapper that comes from Florida. Versus stuff that's caught in Chile and then they rename it. A lot right. of the, a lot there they, there's a believe it or not there's a lot of fake fish out there. Yeah, they'll call it you know sea bass and it's not. They'll call it grouper and it's not. Really, and so that's why yeah that's why there's there's a logo called fresh from Florida that helps with that. And Speaking. and so we tie it into we tie it into ours. If you open up right. a box of our cigars with the with the paper inside, this one doesn't have it. I, I already took it out to my truck, but it has uh it says you know fresh from Florida on it.
0: So we're making sure that this product's coming from Florida. 100%. You know, you know how
1: you 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 know how you make sure that it comes from Florida? By coming and visiting the farm. There you go. That's why I love social media. I love what you guys do with these blogs and these internet shows and all these videos and social media. I call social media the truth serum now. Okay? Back in the past, you could run an ad and people could get bullshitted all the time. Oh, this bourbon's from Kentucky. No, no, no. That stuff's not from Kentucky. Didn't even come from there, right? You can get stuff where they say, oh, that this is a uh, whatever they could They can make stuff up all the time. All you got to do is run an ad because in the past it used to be a print ad. So if I run a print ad, took some pictures of Nicaragua and said I was in Florida, how would you know? Right. Right. Just looks like a tobacco field. You wouldn't know. Right. Right. But the great thing about Instagram and Twitter and Facebook Live and all this other stuff. It's all here. People are coming to the farms. People are going to the distilleries. People are going to the restaurants. and They're seeing it. Imagine if some chef talks about, oh, how great it is his bakery is, right? You find out he doesn't he have an oven. They buy that shit from somewhere else, and he puts it in a box, right? That's what's been going on for a long time. Sure. And now with things like, you know, Facebook and reality TV and all the other stuff, you know, you see things like Cake Boss and all this other stuff. You you realize who the real people are that do stuff and who the fakes are, right? right? The fakes are the guys that run the ads, and the real guys to make it happen. And the good thing is, is that the next generation, your generation, guys, I figured it out. Meaning that you, you guys, are attracted to the authentic stuff. And if we didn't have this that movement in America, of people being attracted to authentic stuff, because listen, you can millennials go get,
0: are very attracted to that. absolutely, like absolutely, and we'll actually go out of our way to either get it or yep. we'll pay more for that's it. right.
1: How would you feel if you get some junk from China and then I said it was made in Indiana or whatever, or Minnesota, and it really was, you know what I mean? It's from right. China. You'd be like, right. man, I'm getting ripped. I bought that thinking it was made here. Right. And you get there that, no, it wasn't made. All they did was take it out of the box that said made in China and one that said it was made in you know, Minnesota. Salt. The
0: story behind either the making or the process or the company is actually more enticing sometimes than the actual product. That's right. And that's where you gravitate yeah. towards, especially as a millennial.
1: Yep. And that's why Florida Sun Grove Farm, we love having these events. We have the big bit barn smoker every year. Right. We bring, you know, 600 people out here. And it's like, listen, there's no filter. You guys look at it. There's no stage. There's not, you know, you, we let people come out here, experience it. We'll put you to work, too, if you want to. Right, you know right, what I mean? right. So so that's the cool part about it. And that's why I really um, I'm excited about the, the opportunities that the new generation has with social media and the internet and things like that. Right. Because it, it, it's opened those opportunities up that people didn't have Yeah, in the past. Opening, pulling back a curtain. Let's it reveal a
0: little bit and let's also get into it.
1: And, it. and it lets, it gives some independence a shot too.
0: Right. So Yeah. Smaller guy it, it a smaller the, opportunity right. to actually show and, and right. showcase what they're doing. That's right.
1: If you, if you think about it, the neighborhood butcher never had a, never had a, a chance after the big grocery store chains, right? All of a sudden with this stuff with the, uh, with, with social media, Dude, if you're a neighborhood butcher and you make some of the best beef jerky in town, or some of the best, you know, those smoky dry sticks, and yep. you know what I mean, people will search you out, man, because you know yes. what I mean. They'll, the next thing you know, he's got a mail order business that he would have never had a chance to
0: have before. Speaking of mail order mm-hmm. business, let's—I yeah. want to kind of set the scene for people. You were—you're were running an auto business, yeah. your family business in Orlando. You decided, kind of in the n- mid '90s, to go into online mail order cigar business kind of during the boom and then possibly a little bit towards the tail end of the boom when when things started to kind of go belly up, what made you decide to start a brand new business mm-hmm. during this time when it was totally unrelated to the car business?
1: So let me, let me back up there. We started with a mail order business because the internet stuff didn't exist yet. The only thing that existed was AOL with a dial-up thing. Oh, yeah. And you Good had luck. This, but there was a cigar group. That huh. was pretty good. It was a, it was a, like a cigar message board or whatever. So the, But the secure operating, the the, uh, the SSL layer where you could actually shop online, that wasn't developed yet. So it was in 96. So um, I had two passions, cigars and offshore fishing, right? And I, w- I was looking at the, the offshore fishing side, and it's like main competitor in that was Bass Pro Shops. Right. There's no way that I can run Bass Pro Shops out of my house. Right. right? right. When it came to cigars, it's a different story. A box of cigars, this box is $300, and it's this size, right? You can stack a lot of cigars in a small building. Sure. Right?
0: So you think in space,
1: Absolutely. you can do this? And you know what else is great, it, too? Were you doing it at the shop, the but, auto body shop? Half out of my house, half out of the shop. Oh, wow. The other thing is, this is 100% consumable, right? Right. So if you're a customer and we treat you well, you're going to come back and buy from us again. If I'm selling you something in one time that lasts you forever, even this, no matter how good your experience is, I don't have the opportunity of selling you another one. I right. might have an opportunity of selling you a friend or and something and you'd have like to that.
0: sink more money into continually contacting them to see if they need more and more stuff.
1: So with a consumable product, you treat the customer right, you can build your a long-term business, right? What so, did you do,
0: for mail order, mm-hmm. what did treating the customer right mean to you? What was that trust? Like, well, trust, trust how? Trusting that I'm going to get my shipment? Let me let me let me You
1: were probably too too young at the time, but when when the internet started with with Online sales, the way it was originally, people were emailing their credit cards. There wasn't, you didn't have a checkout screen. You emailed your credit card. Yeah, no secure site. Nothing, right? Now think about that. Right. That was, that's a big, you know, hey, do I trust this guy with my credit card? Do I even know he's got a business? Yeah,
0: exactly. Too. it's like a, we we take it for granted now because Amazon and all that stuff. And it's like, of course it's going to get here.
1: So, so Yeah,
0: you're right. So there was the kind of a paradigm to, sh- to shift. Like, is this guy really going to send me right. what I'm telling?
1: So the good thing about the, the, the mail order side, though, people would, back then it was different. People would actually call in their order. They'd want to talk to you on the phone, too. Sure. Okay. So they would trust you if you're, you know, most people are pretty good at judging when you're talking to someone on the phone, whether it's legit or not. So that trust in that the fact your package is going to show up when, when it's supposed to. And the fact that it's going to come in good condition and you were getting a fair price all right okay so that's what we would call trust in the in the in the mail order side now what was interesting i started in 1996 that was during the cigar boom the height of the boom and there were certain cigar brands and companies you couldn't they, they would weren't opening any new accounts shouldn't sure. get their cigars and it's not that they didn't want to sell you cigars they the industry got caught off guard. Yeah, they didn't have time. enough product. They couldn't have enough to one. Not enough tobacco, not enough product, anything else. So the industry really went through a hard time in 98. That's when the crash happened. Okay. There was overproduction during 96, 97. A lot of new factories just started. It was like a bidding war. Right. So, for example, if you were a tobacco farmer and you were selling tobacco to, let's say, Fuente, and Fuente had his cigar rollers and everything else, and you're like, all right, I'm, you know, Johnny come lately in Santiago Cubana or Santiago, uh, Dominican Republic. and Like I'm just going to start paying more than what Fuente wants to pay for that tobacco. So you start having these bidding wars, right? Same thing happened with rollers. Hey, you work at a Fuente factory. What's you paying? I'll pay you twice as much. That kind of crazy stuff was going on. Sure. And so it was a difficult time in the industry for manufacturers. Um, and you saw sort of that gold rush mentality. People right. were getting in the business that really had no, 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 Right, No business being in the business. They had right. no experience making cigars. And there were a lot of, there's some bad cigars out there. And then the other thing is cigar lifestyle attracts some wealthy people.
0: Yeah, that's what I heard is like a lot of celebrities were that's trying right. to get their own cigar brands. They were smoking at events. You could see them on covers of magazines right. and everything smoking.
1: So these are guys with money, but no business experience and didn't want to work. They had money, but they didn't realize. They figured, oh, I just invest in a cigar company and it'll work. That's not true it takes you got to bust your ass more man. than investing you, you, you've got to run it you got to work it you got to work right. hard and so these guys you know you would see it all the time uh, who owns this new brand oh this is some jewelry tycoon or this is somebody this that, and I'm like we knew those brands weren't going to make it because if you think you're going to launch a brand it's going to sell itself and the company's going to run itself and you're Good just luck. like it, yeah it ain't going to work Good luck and so that's what was going on in '96 and '97 so '98 is when all this stuff started crashing. Fortunately, let's go to 1997, is we, we had um, a local company here that wanted to develop all the technology that was available at the time on an online store. People had websites, but it was more like a magazine or a brochure online. Okay. They're like, listen, we're going to take your catalog and we're going to put this entire catalog online where the customer can read it, click on it, and order it. And order it securely. So there was something okay. called an SSL, so secure socket layer. So you'd see the little lock on the bottom of your screen. Once yep. you clicked on that, that technology just came out. So they were like, let's develop this site and, and we'll show you how, you know, you can do these secure orders.
0: What was the name of the site? It
1: was CoronaCigar.com. CoronaCigar.com. It was so yeah. it was
0: all branded your brand. Yes. CoronaCigar.com.
1: CoronaCigar.com. So then uh, it worked. It was really cool. You, you could, you know, you'd run offers and people, orders started sure. coming in. Right. So we were an early adopter in that and it, and it was very, it was amazing how the internet kind of took off from there now while the internet was taking off the cigar industry was crashing then
0: and at, during this time though i just want to clarify you had no brick and mortar like retail like no I one had, could just come in to my very and be first like, I'm humidor was box. an old
1: stereo cabinet that i had at my at the automotive center that i later upgraded to a stand up uh, cigar humidor that i bought from cao cigars in nashville tennessee so that was the original. And the rest of everything else was in an extra bedroom in my house. I humidified the whole room. That was my little warehouse, right? Sure. And I had an office in another room, and I'd work all night. I'd work till four in the morning, and I'd go to getting sleep. Getting orders out. I'd do everything. I was the So only you did everything. First. So you were yeah. trying
0: to take the orders, that process was, payments, get it For the first two years, out. yes. For the first two years, no other employees? No. I
1: wow. used an outside service company to that would handle the phone calls and then they would fax on, on one of those fax. old thermal fax things. Hey, just They'd so you guys know, fax, yeah. hey, look it up. Wikipedia yeah. might have something yeah. This it. was the old school kind, <laughs> not even the sheet fed kind, the one that had rolls of thermal paper. Oh, you had to keep the old- putting the sheets in. No, you have to, it's a roll of thermal oh, paper. Roll that was the therm- way the, the first fax machines were like that. So With anyway. the
0: sides that were perforated? No,
1: you, you just, it was a, it was like a, a thermal thing. And If you left it in the sun, the whole roll would turn black. But anyway, so we that's how we started, right? And, uh, I learned a lot. I mean, you know, I'd, I'd write the catalog and back then printing was different too, by the way, it was not digital to plate. Things were old school. We're talking about taking pictures with film Sure. and you know, digital cameras weren't even invented. So to get yet. the product listed, just, to, just you... to make a catalog was a, was an entire, wow, that I had to learn that whole thing, that whole process, Sure. um, Taking photos and then having a company that would scan them and then put them in files. It was very different back then.
0: Yeah, there's no digital scanning and just uploading. There was
1: to your D- digital scanning just began back in like 90, 96, 97. They would, they but just it wasn't the home use digital no, scanning. No, like, no I mean, you'd like have to pay company. each one of those scans. It cost you like three hundred bucks. Wow. Yeah. So just
0: to get the ad is like 300 just yeah, it was to get expensive. a scan plus yeah. all the other yes. work and stuff. Now you have all this desk wow.
1: publishing. So things were different. But but land, I learned a lot. I learned sure. a lot about printing. Yeah. I learned about how printing got priced and all this other kind of and mailing and all that stuff. So anyway, so fast forward to 1998, industry's crashing. We're talking about guys are going out of business left and right. Yep, yeah. That was a great opportunity for us, though, because those same celebrity brands that were trying to sell us boxes of cigars that for $200 now we're being offered to us for $20 because they're out oh, of business sure. They're being liquidated. Sure. So we would buy the heck out of those. All right. So now you're just
0: assuming so we, some, we would, product. we
1: would buy that stuff and we would sell boxes of cigars for 39 95 wow. that people used to see for 150 to $200 wow. advertised. So now they're like, man, so we're, so while the industry's going kaput, we're actually going up because we're, we're selling that. Right. And, and that's good because we're in Florida, we're in Orlando. But all the action for the all the action of people going out of business was in Miami, okay. Because that's every Tom Dick and Harry that was trying to be in the cigar business was yeah. going broke. Those cigars were there, so they were getting liquidated. I'd have guys pulling up with trucks like the one behind you, you know, and just, we'd write the check and we'd sell. How that many stuff. boxes would be on that truck? Well, it depends. It depends how many cigars the guy had left when he was going out. of business. 200, 300 Sometimes it'd be two hundred boxes. Sometimes it'd be two thousand boxes. Wow. Yeah. You're so just like okay. And we'd move them out. Heck we'll yeah, move them. I mean, if we can sell something to the consumer right. for forty bucks, and it used to be priced for two hundred, yeah. they'll fly. Yeah, so and that's what, there's
0: not a big risk either, right? So like, if well, yeah, there is some flaws,
1: risk. loss. I'll tell you, how there's a risk, but for
0: the consumer, like, the no, consumer, the risk on me is that if you could open you.
1: some of these boxes, and half of them be full of bugs. Remember, okay. I told you there are guys getting in business that had no right. business being in the business. Right, right. And so they didn't know how to handle tobacco. You could have, you could, you could, you could open up boxes that were full of bugs. Right. So we had to we had to check that kind of stuff. Didn't happen often, but occasionally we'd you know you get some duds in there, but um, you know so the so the cigar bust was all right for us. Hmm. We were now that was when we were in mail order, right? So in I think it was 1998. opened a, a little the business. We moved it out of this, out of my house, okay. And I moved it into a uh, into a little strip center. That it, place used to be a karate studio. And I didn't have any money, man. I was broke as hell. So, cause I, cause I used all my money buying cigars.
0: Right. You know, every So retail was kind of like a, you wanted to get to retail, but it was like, Hey, that's a lot of cash. No, no, no.
1: What it was, what it was, is I tied up all my money in inventory, inventory and catalogs, printing and catalogs. As long as you kept putting all your money back in the cigars and catalogs, you could sell. Right. Okay. So when you look at a store, man, I I didn't have any money to build out a store, but I needed space. So I rented this little dumpy place that used to be a karate studio. I mean it still had the chain for the heavy bag from the thing and had the mirrors and stuff for where everybody do their whatever their judo moves and stuff so we just put in some cheap wire shelving there moved all the product in and that's when we started in the retail side as long as i knew what the retail was is that if you have if i can sell enough during the day to pay for the electricity and pay for the the, the rent i'm ahead Right, so that's how I got into the retail side. You're
0: kind of breaking even on your retail spot.
1: That's right. Didn't cost me anything to move it out right. of the house, but the the real epiphany occurred when I started traveling to Central America. Um, my first trip was to Costa Rica. On that's back when CEO cigars were made in Costa Rica, and then after that, I went to Honduras with uh, Christian Ero and Eric Espinosa. That was like 1998. And so then, you're
0: traveling the world with some high end, great cigar families.
1: Eric was just starting out. I mean, he was, he worked for Christian Row at the time. And so these were, these, this was back, you know, 20 something years ago. Right. And then, uh, and then I went to Nicaragua and, and what really happened is was I was in Nicaragua and and doing all these trips to Central America because we're having cigars made there then. So after Kaboom, right, after the industry fell, you had guys wanting to make cigars for you because they needed business. Yeah, they're looking sure, now they're for that looking. same. The same guys that had those signs out said no new accounts are now saying, "Hey, can we make you some cigars?" <laughs> right.
0: So and are we'll, you doing that then?
1: Absolutely, with the good ones. Got absolutely. it. absolutely. Kind of putting like
0: the Corona cigar name on it, just like a shop name, or what? Our what?
1: first privately cigar was done by the Olivas. Okay. C- you know, people they make Oliva, Oliva tobacco. Milani. Yeah, Milani, the, the Jose or, Oliva Oliva cigars. Gotcha. Oliva cigars. Gotcha. All right, that was our Corona Nicaraguan selection. After that, uh, and also. Uh, Christian Uroa made our other, our first Honduran private labels. So we're dealing with, we would choose real deal factories. Right. Because when you go there, you know who's real and who's not. Right. You know, these guys are, you know, they've been growing tobacco forever. So we evolved during that period with coming out a lot of our own cigars. And what that allowed was to take cigars from Honduras, from Nicaragua, from the Dominican Republic, straight to us, straight to the consumer, that cut out a whole layer Right of distribution so it allowed us to have some value priced
0: cigars and were they kind of bundled cigars so that
1: most of them were in boxes boxes okay most of them were in boxes
0: and not a lot of money then spent on the boxes so that you could cut down some cost
1: well back then boxes weren't as intricate as they are now cigar boxes back then were somewhat basic sure this is a basic style box right. so packaging was not as influential back then as far as like you know now you see all these fancy you know gloss and all these other oh, ones oh yeah so, so it, that kind of stuff really didn't exist so the idea was to have great cigars at a good price, and uh, by reputable manufacturers. Yep. And that's what we did. That's how we launched, like a Corona Nicaragua. Now we now we've got Corona Nicaragua 20th anniversary, and pretty soon it'll be 25th. I mean, we've had those brands out for a long time. Gotcha. So uh, it's been, you know, our our brands that are under our name are, are they're, they're some of our best sellers. Right. Just because we've got guys that've been buying those for 20 years, and they're they're, they're they quality tobacco. Good, their, are quality and they're, they're yeah. consistent. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So back to trust, Yeah, they trust the product, they trust the brand. So, sure. so that's how we kind of evolved from that. But where where I was leading to, um, our stores that we we're at we're, what Corona cigars today and what it used to be, uh, we made a, we made a, a shift in our direction in 2002 when we opened that big store up in sand lake in, in in uh orlando would
0: you say this is the most pivotal part of corona cigars or yeah okay so this is the most pivotal part we've gone, part from, of we've your gone business. from having
1: a little retail store right. that had wire shelves in it and yeah and karate any, shop yeah, nothing right to going big. into a very high rent wealthy area with a big store big five thousand square feet with a bar totally humidified people said i was totally crazy and i was going to go out of business Nobody had a store like this. So this is
0: the epic pinnacle, like, here we go.
1: This was rolling the dice is what it was. However, I believed in it. I knew, because let me tell you what was going on. Back during the cigar boom, you had some really high-end shops built, right? And they had that country club feel, and they weren't very welcoming, meaning that unless you had either the money or the status— you and dressed properly, you weren't really welcome, right?
0: Huh. Interesting.
1: What I saw was when I was going to Central America, especially Nicaragua, is I saw a culture where we we could take that Central American type of Latin feel. We had our furniture made there. We had artwork brought in from there. We made the stores with the Latin look to it. You go to Central America or South America or the Caribbean, every single town is kind of set up the same. There's a little central park with a church on one end, and that's the downtown area. everywhere. I don't care where you you can go to Colombia, you can go to Mexico. It's always the same. Find the little central part, you'll see the little church. That is the the central part of the the city. Esteli is the same way. Gotcha. All right. So we're like, well, let's try and make this place look somewhat like it belongs on that street. Right. Right. So that's how we themed our stores. So it had a nice look to it. However, if you weren't wearing a Brioni suit, Remember, we're in Orlando and it's hot here. I know for a fact. I don't guys want to wear a shirt. The Guys that have a lot of money. They don't, they're dressing comfortably, right. right? It's the guy, you know, Tommy Bahama shirt and shorts and and stuff. He's he's the one that flip flops. May have flip flops. Maybe yeah. probably probably not the flip flops, but he's but what a, he's probably wearing some nicer shoes.
0: Loafers, but, loafers, right? Alligator loafers. But
1: he's rolling out of a you know a big body Benz or something like that. This guy's got dough, and so you've got. It's a different thing here, right? Orlando's not like Miami either. Miami, everybody's trying to act like they're... What's that dude's name? The bald guy, the pit bull. You know what I mean? Everybody's, oh, everyone wants, hey, to hey, boy, everybody be, wants to be pit bull. wants to be pit bull. Be dressed or, nice. And, and, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So Orlando's not like that. So we built a store that was welcoming for everybody and focused on selling great cigars, not not cheap stuff, right? At the end of the day, I don't care who... A twenty nine ninety five bundle of cigars, which we sell plenty of, yep. is not the same as a $8, 10 $12 cigar. It's not the same tobacco. It's not the same rollers. Those are either seconds or they're stuff that's sorted out. Or I can tell you as a tobacco farmer, oh, sure. it's going to be tobacco that's from some primings that you, some other people would normally use. That's how you get cheap cigars, right? Yep. People that are smoking cigars, especially nowadays, it's not so much about the price. It's about the experience. Because you don't have that many opportunities to smoke cigars anymore. Right. Meaning, most people aren't smoking cigars in their house. Yep. I smoke cigars in my my car all the time, but a lot of guys don't want to smoke in their car. Yep. 99% of the places, public places you go to, like a restaurant or whatever else, they're not going to allow you to smoke a cigar. Yeah. So
0: now you really have to pick out a quality cigar. Heck Yeah and carve out the time and the experience to so, actually invest the two hours that you want. That's right. Into so, this.
1: so if you go to a place like Corona Cigar or a cigar bar in some other city, the price is almost irrelevant on the cigar you're choosing. You just want a great cigar and you right. want a great experience, right? Exactly. So what's the difference if it costs $18 or $8? What's more important is that, man, for example, if I go to Washington DC, there's a cool cigar bar called Shelley's. Do you really think I care what? that? When I'm there at Shelley's, I want to have a great cigar. Because there's no other place to smoke there other than Civil and a place called uh, Morton Steakhouse, right? So sure. when you're there, it's like, man, you don't have a lot of opportunities, especially if it's cold out. You can smoke a cigar inside. Let's smoke a nice one. So with hay.
0: Corona Cigar Company, you're then trying to create the environment to have that experience.
1: Well, our tagline was create the ultimate cigar experience.
0: Create that's, the ultimate, ultimate? cigar right. experience.
1: Let me explain what that means. Has this ever happened to you where you're smoking a cigar here? somewhere? Let's say we're outside at a patio somewhere and there's somebody that's 100 yards that way, and you catch them out of the corner of your eye, and they're doing all this kind of stuff and throwing oh, you dirty looks, right? Yes. Does that Restaurants, make you feel comfortable? Patios, right.
0: Yeah. That Does is that ruin not, your experience? Your totally. Because then I feel uncomfortable. I feel like I got to go. get up and leave. I don't really want to offend her, but I also want to enjoy what I've invested right. in. But it, you feel kind of like the minority. You're that's like, right. I'm making this uncomfortable for you. That's right. So, so I'll get up and remove myself. So
1: that's why. Part of the ultimate cigar experience is knowing when you come to this place, this is your safe haven where you can smoke a cigar with the guy next to you instead of throwing you dirty right, looks. Right, it's like, right. cool, man, what are you
0: smoking? Cigar utopia, right? Yeah, right? Like everyone's accepted. And they're looking, though. What do you right. got,
1: man? They're talking, right? That's number one. Number two is when they come in for the store, everybody's going to, it's a welcoming environment. We got staff that love cigars. You've got guys that are giving you a great experience. That's we, you know, the
0: worst. If the guy that's behind the counter doesn't recognize you, you kind of feel like oh, man, like, I know it can't happen all the time, but if it's like blatantly obvious that you walked in and no one else is around him and he doesn't say hello or her, it's kind of like, oh, man. So
1: here's one of the good things about being in Orlando. Walt Disney was one of the best at making sure the experience when you go there, it's, you know, it's magical type of experience. It's like, I remember when I was at UCF, one of these professors was saying that, They train their staff that if you have, you can have a kid that is the ugliest child in the world. (laughs) But when that kid, you you see that child, they train the staff. Your son and daughter is so beautiful. Look at him. Because it's all about making sure that experience is the best experience
0: ever. Right. right? Everyone's proud to be here and wants to be here.
1: So why can't we do that in a cigar environment? So when people are coming into the store, make them feel welcome. Say hello. Talk to them. Engage with them. Tell them, you know, start talking about cigars. Right. That's what it's about. Having, you know, just simply even saying hello to somebody, when like recognizing people and and talking to them and having managers and staff that get it.
0: Yeah, so you talked about Walt Disney and and some other things that impacted your business, but was there any specific, like, books, films, or people that really catalyzed a breakthrough that you had in what you were doing with the Cigars? I I wouldn't
1: necessarily any type of breakthrough. It's just more of making sure you have a team of people that are on the
0: same page. Okay. So you ch- found inspiration though outside to say like, this is the experience that I want to yes. to provide That's and right. it's from Walt Disney or from other.
1: In- For example, if you're a people person, you're in the cigars, you're, you're the right kind of guy to work in the shop because okay. the, you know, we, you're engaging with people, you're friendly, but if you got a sourpuss attitude, I don't care how much you know about cigars, you shouldn't be working. You're not going to work at Corona cigar. Exactly. You're the wrong person, right? So you know what? You're and,
0: putting people in the right spots. Well, like, the other you're looking thing at we have,
1: we have always driven the fact that the, the, the way Corona Cigar is built, it doesn't matter what somebody's resume is, period. We hire people and build upon their character. You follow got me? It. Yeah. Because so you're if looking you, at you, their... you can You can have a PhD and be one of the brightest and greatest in your class of whatever it is. But if you're lazy and you got a shitty attitude, you suck. Right. You know what
0: I'm saying? Right. You're not creating but, the experience but that but we want. But
1: you can be a guy that's, that is a high school dropout. But you're a hustler and got a great welcoming attitude and a great guy, you can be a superstar.
0: Right. It's all and now, about the in, engagement.
1: And trust me, there are tons of successful people that you know. Emerald with the Emerald restaurant chain, yep. he's the same way. His mm-hmm. number one guy or number two guy was started as a dishwasher, and that's because you're building on what people are, not based on this guy came. He started from as a school. dishwasher. As a dishwasher, the famous Absolutely. cook. No, no, Emerald didn't, but his number 2 oh, guy was.
0: Number 2 guy.
1: Yes. Wow. That's my point. Is you can take if you've got the right skills. That's what that's what people should be judged on. Based on based on their character and what they do not based on and you know resumes and things like that or, or test scores whatever.
0: So, we've talked about the good that we're trying to set up for this Corona cigar company and kind of that whole experience. But was there ever a time in the whole business that you're kind of like, man, this is kind of the worst day in the cigar business.
1: Yeah. Without a doubt, when S-Chip
0: passed. Really? When oh S-Chip, man, what,
1: the, the, what's the, S-Chip? The, when the state children's health insurance program went for a cigar tax that was normally yeah. five cents and it was in 2007 and it almost passed and it was uh, going to be up to $10, no cap, right? cap was $10. A it stick? Had, yeah. Holy and it cow. And it had a, a floor tax on it. So okay. then all so your inventory explain. Have gets- you been to our stores? Have you seen... We got a lot of cigars. Yeah. Millions of cigars. Yeah. So when this came through, the um, floor tax that we would have been charged with would have been a bill I couldn't pay.
0: Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. Like, what are you thinking? What's the number?
1: We would have probably been somewhere in the neighborhood of one and a half to two million dollars in a $2 tax. Two
0: million dollars that you have to just write out.
1: I didn't have the money either. Yeah, No. OK, so that was panic situation. That's how I got involved in politics. We were building our downtown store. Let me tell you the timing, how bad this was. So our downtown store is 5,000 square feet. And remember, our stores are in expensive areas, so the rent is high. All right. And when you sign a lease, you're on the hook for seven years, whatever that lease term is. Whether you open a store or not, once you sign the lease, you're on the hook. Right. OK. So if you fail, you still pay the rent. Unless you seven years. unless you bankrupt the entire company. That's why you can have a situation like this come up and lose a company. So we had a a seven-year lease we just signed. We just executed a contract to do the interior build-out for $1.5 million to a construction company that just started digging the footers. They've already commenced. So now I'm on the hook for a lease for seven years, and we're talking $25,000 a month in rent. Wow. You're on the hook for a $1.5 million for a, for a contractor building a store. Right. Here comes the S chip bill, where if the cigar tax passes as written, we cannot pay that bill.
0: That so was panic. Out.
1: That was the ground zero for me. That's why I was the first guy up in DC panicking. Because what happened is the financing that I had for that 1.5 million of the of the of the uh build out. Yep. Sun Trust Bank. Yep. The underwriter called me up. Said, Jeff, I got some bad news. What's that? We can't do the loan oh, because of this S-chip cigar tax. The underwriter said this is a problem, and it was a problem. Right. We can't do this loan. So now I'm on the hook for something I can't even pay for now, all because of what these people panic in Panic sets in. Get into Washington, tell D.C. Can I you panic? I'm telling you, sleepless nights and sleepless. freaking not feeling good. That's why I went up to D.C. And here's the thing is, is we kept telling the story, though, and— Rocky Patel was with me and several others. And the thing is, we got traction with it. And i tell you why we got traction with the story. Because they knew when they saw me come out there. And, and when I told that story, just like I told you, they're like, this guy's not bullshitting. He's no. fixing to fix and lose it all. Yeah, and this. it's
0: local, right? It's and, American companies that And they didn't intend effect. on that.
1: That was not the intention. What happened is prior to prior to, to CRA, that's how I got involved in getting CRA started. Let's talk rings.
0: a little bit about CRA, though, real quick to set it up for our listeners. Mm-hmm. You co-founded Cigar Rights of America yes. with Keith Park yes. from Prometheus. yes. Do you have an elevator pitch as to why you feel the FDA should not be regulating cigars?
1: Let's, let's stick with the tax part first because the okay. FDA came later. But the whole thing is it was more about, it wasn't so much about one particular issue. The issue is we never had a voice in Washington, D.C. Sure. Because when this, when this S-chip bill got written... The guys at the Cigar Association of America thought it was a typo that when it said $10 cap, they thought it was a typo. They thought it was supposed to be $0.10. So they literally just thought it was a mistake. It wasn't a mistake. It was $10. It wasn't $0.10. That's how screwed up this was. So we got up there and telling the story and meeting with the people that actually wrote the bill, right? Yep. And we got to those levels. I'm talking, and what's crazy about Washington, D.C., the guys that write this stuff are 22, 23, 24 years old. Really? Yes. Young guys. Young guys.
0: They, and they probably have no idea. They have what's no going
1: idea. On. But they what they don't realize is the magnitude of their impact. Right. Right. But when you explain to them exactly what's going on, why the floor tax? Because the way they looked at it is that if S chip was primarily a cigarette bill, taxes on all tobacco products, mostly cigarettes, right? So if you have you know bunch of marbles, you don't sit on marbles for a year or two.
0: Okay? Right.
1: 7-Eleven gets their shipment of marbles. Today, they're gone. By next week, another truck brings them. So that's what the floor tax was for, was to establish, here's the day of the tax starting, and, and whatever's in your inventory, you got to pay the tax on. Cigars aren't the same way.
0: Okay, so it's totally different. They didn't know that.
1: that. Well, once you explain to them, it said the average cigar store turns their inventory only three times a year mm-hmm. so that we can't front this tax for you. That's why the floor tax will kill us. So eventually, they took the floor tax out. They rewrote Good. that part out. Thank goodness. Right? Thank goodness. Because they, they realized it was going. To, then the fight was about where the cap was going to be. So my point is is why did we need CRA? That was the exact that was the exact reason because it comes down to the same thing. If you're not at the table during these discussions, right. you're gonna be on that menu. Yeah, and you're and behind we, the eight ball then. We were we were nowhere to be seen. And so now that's why we needed C R A because same thing with FDA and every other issue that comes across because these these tax grabs don't stop. They're constantly right. trying to get more and more anti-tobacco stuff. So CRA was definitely needed because there was no voice in Washington and you have to advocate for yourself in Washington. Right. That's why Washington's such a busy place, unfortunately. Because if you're not up there and part of the action, you're going to get clobbered. Right. And, and, and it costs a tremendous amount of money, unfortunately. Steamroll right over you. And, and it's a lot of resources that, unfortunately, are wasted. Because and the reason I use wasted, not that the lobbyists don't do their job, but imagine how much money you take all the dollars we're having to spend on this nonsense fighting the government. We could do some good with it and build stores and build factories and create jobs and, and, and build an economy versus just, you know, pushing it, it up to fight into the a rules. black hole. It's in, in D.C. Right. And that's where the bad part is. So anyway, that's why I got involved in politics. That was the toughest time for me.
0: Gotcha. All right, Jeff, today we know that you are owner and operator of Corona Cigar Company, Florida Sun Grown. Uh, farm and also the Davidoff Tampa store. Are there any other endeavors that you are currently prospering on? And, uh, what should we know about?
1: Well, the main thing about Corona cigar, we keep our focus on, um, the passion of cigars, right? So if you look at the, the transition from cigars and mail order to internet, to really getting into the serious side of, of, of retail, yep. um, you know, the, the bigger stores, uh, more expensive type of venues uh the biggest thing for us is to continue to find the right places in order to open those kind of stores and believe it or not that's the biggest challenge that we have uh in our industry and as for our company is the fact that there's a you know there's a lot of restrictions on where you can have a cigar store like what we do you know we're we're full bar you know cigars smoking all that other stuff so one thing is to be able to get past all the laws and rules that you have in place. But one of the newer challenges we're having with is um, getting past some of these these newer buildings have something called lead certification. Okay, where it's what like is that? Lead certification is a building that is like green energy type of thing. It's like a it's like a uh, encouragement for for a building to be quote green, right? Well, one of there those is. things for some of those developments means there's no smoking or no tobacco. Oh really? So, yeah. So you
0: can't like create a green smoking environment. Why no, not? Like no. You know, energy so let me efficient? give you a good example,
1: right? In Orlando, they used to have something called club Monte Cristo at the Orlando arena where the magic played the NBA team, right? Then Orlando built a brand new arena uh, called the Amway arena. And that's a LEED certified building. I mean, it's you know, supposed to have high efficiency air conditioning and low uh, uh, usage of power for lights and all that other stuff. Well, LEED certification means they can't have a cigar bar there. Now, that's one of the things that you're starting to see in some of these new projects. Sure. And literally in, in, in when you're building an, an entire new, uh, um, city center or whatever else, that's one of the challenges. So we're going to have to figure out how to, how we work around so that. So you really want to
0: expand Corona cigar company into we, more areas. In a
1: smart way. In a, smart, in a smart, smart, way. smart way. Yes. Because what we've seen, I can tell you what's happening in the industry right now is you'll see big companies, especially these foreign owned companies are like, all right, you know, for the next two years, we want you to open five stores in three different states or whatever else, and they force the locations. You can't force the location.
0: Got it. So, what are you looking at for a good location then? What are you? What are your three top three things that you want to be sure it has? Well,
1: I'm gonna keep that one to myself because I'd know, rather not. I, I know these other these other companies always like listen to that, and they're getting that wrong. So, I'd rather leave that unanswered because, okay. like you know, I've seen where they dump a bunch of money in the stores, and it's the wrong spot. Wrong spot. It's wrong spot.
0: All right, so you're looking at the right spot. Yeah, that's the in key. the right area you know to what provide. You're doing right. That's right. What top three things are we providing? That you have to go to
1: smoke cigars, have whiskey, and be in an area where a landlord wants you. Right. Okay. Don't forget that third one. Be in an area where a landlord wants you.
0: Okay. So you and that's you, a challenge. You want the backing of the community and you the have city. To.
1: Absolutely.
0: Otherwise, it's just going to be an uphill battle. Well,
1: take take for example if. You know, Rocky Patel had an issue in Washington D.C. where he was had a great spot, but some dude, three floors up, has a condominium, goes to the city council meeting where and raises a stink about not wanting cigars there. Sure, that stops your whole thing.
0: Yeah, we definitely don't want to be in a situation like you said with the lady down the or yeah. the guy going, "Oh, this That's stinks! Right. This stinks!" We so want. So you better that become
1: a good citizen in your own community. Okay. If you don't have the backing of the of your your neighboring businesses and the community, and have a good, be a good partner in the community. Sure. You know, when the church asks for cigars to raise money for whatever thing, you better send it to them, right? You know, when they got the guide dogs thing they a walkathon, they need someone to sponsor. You need to sponsor it, right? So you're the, pretty active then
0: in the you community. You have to be. You have to be. Yeah, but you also want to be. Yes, of yeah, course. Yeah, You want to be. You want right. to. But well, you'd be
1: surprised how many multinational corporations don't donate anything, Right. and then they wonder why they're not. Everybody's not their buddies in town,
0: right? Yeah. So that's a key role, you know. We want to be accepted in the community. We want uh-huh. to be able to smoke cigars yep. comfortably. We want to be able to offer the whiskey and drinks.
1: And if you have great customers, they're, they're going to help build your your reputation within the community too. Nice, because they're leaders, right? You follow me, leaders. Yep. You yeah. want that city council guy that wants to come and have a cigar? You right. want a you know, guy that's influential in politics that he can come have a cigar in your place nice. and have. In what's really key is running an establishment where, if a if a son or daughter saw his dad. Sitting outside Corona Cigar, smoking a cigar, he's not embarrassed by it.
0: Right. Yeah, no, it's not an embarrassing place to be. Correct.
1: Or, or the wife, whatever, knows he's a Corona Cigar. You know, you don't want to... I see so many stores running these traps and they start doing stupid things. Backroom poker games and nonsense right. like that. And dominoes being slammed on a table and people yelling at each other. Do you think that's
0: a cool place for, you know... That's, that's one thing that I've always been a big advocate from just my time in retail is, mm-hmm. you know, if you have a bad attitude or negativity Uh you got to just leave it at the door that's right because it affects everybody
1: and not only that sometimes those guys will try to run the store for you (laughs) right it's not their place those they don't set the rules you got to make sure that your place is run right where anybody can come in and not feel intimidated or anything else so
0: exactly and you got to be able to be confident enough to say hey man you you Kind of have a bad attitude let's calm it down let's it's it's not a matter of
1: confidence let's listen this isn't your house and if it's your house so it's like would you take your shoes off and flop them up on your feet bare feet on top of this table when this dude's over here got his drink next to it these are the kind of things you need to enforce right but you'll be surprised the idiots that do that stuff. You know what I'm saying? So, so if you don't run your business, the guy, you know those those unruly ones will run your business for you and run off your customers. Exactly. We want so, to keep those customers. So you ha- you know, there's a, there's a science to what we do. Exactly. <laughs> and, it's, and it's not easy. Everybody, you know, we make it look easy because our team knows what to do. We've got great managers. We got great employees. Got a great team. Nice. But if you don't, if you don't run the business, it will run you and it'll run you in the wrong direction.
0: Yeah, so being the entrepreneur that you are, and running all the different types of businesses that you have run, is they're, there- they're not that many types
1: of business. They're all related to cigars. The only thing that's really not related to cigars we have we raised cattle, but that was more to try and keep the farm sustainable throughout the year, right? And and that's that's very common in Nicaragua, and in in other countries too. Like you know Nestor Placencia and Eduardo Fernandez and Pepin Garcia, you got to have something when you're not growing tobacco to keep some of your key guys working and keep you know, keep the farm going and certain, certain things. So we have, uh, we have 200 head of cattle that we run on different ranches.
0: So being that, like you said, not all the businesses are that much different. They're always dealing with cigars.
1: Somehow they're in that circle. Right. Is there a
0: danger that comes with producing cigars or investing in the cigar concept and culture?
1: Yeah, there is. But if I, if I felt it was that, that we were in that kind of situation, um, let me tell you the good side of this. Let's let's just back up to business real quick. Imagine if you're Motorola making a razor cell phones, right? How quickly did the razor get knocked out of the park by an iPhone?
0: Right. Okay.
1: Now iPhone's got trouble cuz Samsung's nip, nipping on their heels with their phone. Then we got this Chinese Hulu or whatever it's called, this Chinese one that they're trying to get in, right? Yep. There are so many businesses that get knocked out real quick just by technology. Look at IBM. Yep. Right? Yeah. Fortunately, the cigar industry has been around. I mean, it was here before but the white man ever found North America. 1492, Christopher Columbus discovered America and he discovered tobacco. All right, exactly. But the Indians have been smoking it for you know thousands of years. At least we're in an industry where we're not the buggy whip manufacturer that gets knocked out by a car or whatever else. We're in an industry that's going to survive as far as people are going to want to smoke cigars. That's not going to change.
0: What's so, going to be the factor that doesn't make it survive?
1: Well, I would hate to see the industry get driven underground where it becomes like an illegal drug. You, sure. And, so and, or, stifling
0: that opportunity to have shops and places to... Uh,
1: well, let's look at it in what... Let's look at it in the base of history, what actually happened. Prohibition. Let's look at what happened right. in alcohol. That happened. Where all of a sudden, if you had a distillery or you had a bar, you were now either faced with a choice of closing your business or becoming a
0: criminal. So that's kind of the threat that's and the, the real risk. That's the to owning and or operating the cigar business because Correct. you could eventually be like Prohibition That's for alcohol. Right.
1: And what's crazy about it is we've watched the movement. It, we, we've run through where marijuana has become mainstream and cigars have become still... I thought that that would put the brakes a little bit on the anti-tobacco sure. thing. Like it would it be like, a, hey, marijuana's a,
0: an illegal drug. Cigars aren't. We can't be that bad.
1: The way I keep looking at it is like, if you allow people to smoke weed in a bong... How are you going to keep people that they can't smoke a cigar legally, like in a place like Corona Cigar? That's my mindset, right? Now I could be wrong on that. However, it'd be lit. Imagine you're at a public hearing at a capital of a state, Mm -hmm. there's microphones, there's TV cameras, whatever else. And you bring that up to that legislature. How is it okay that I can open a store next to me? I can change Corona Cigar and call it Corona whatever weed house. And we can sit there and all get high smoking a bong. That's okay. But yet, if I sell a premium cigar and we all sit around smoking a cigar, that's illegal. Right. Now, that same question I just asked on TV in front of all these guys that are pushing the law, they're going to look like idiots. How do you right. answer that? Yeah, exactly. So that's why you have to be involved in politics. Because yeah. if you don't answer that question, trust me, the same thing can happen. We can't smoke cigars in a cigar bar, but you can smoke weed. Yeah. That's why we have to waste so much time. That's why I say waste, because we take that energy. Every time you make a phone call to have a politician have to deal with this, this is something we could do that's productive. You know, have a cigar event or work on something cool for the customers. You know what I
0: mean? Exactly. Taking time away from your business. It's taking time away.
1: It's not necessarily business. It's taking time away that could be benefiting employees and customers. Right, you follow me? Yeah. So that's that's, but listen, that's the world we live in right now. Yeah, so you got to fight for it a little bit right and, now. And and to all the retailers, if you watch this, you got to be involved because trust me, you know the only places in America you can't do what we do. Yeah, you cannot have cigars in a bar. You can't have tobacco and alcohol together.
0: That's Minnesota. There you go. That's Minnesota, right? Man. And and, 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 think and then so you weird. come to
1: Florida. We get these guys that come to Florida, Orlando, and they're like, man, I can't believe I can't do this in my state.
0: Exactly. And there's no
1: reason why they can't. You know what happened is that you got those. Lunatic anti tobacco people that made it illegal.
0: Right. But it doesn't mean it can't change. Right. It takes you gotta, a lot of work. Yep. You got to be involved, like you said. You got to be involved.
1: And unfortunately, sometimes it costs money too.
0: So, last question, because mm-hmm. I come from the land of 10,000 lakes. Yeah. You enjoy fishing. What is your best fishing story out on the open water?
1: I like offshore fishing, so I like saltwater fishing. Because yeah, because the, the good thing about saltwater fishing, almost everything you can catch, you can eat. And I I'm a meat fisherman, so sure, I like fishing. Eat what for, you catch. Uh, yeah, so I'm not you know, I've never gone fishing for marlin because you have to s- troll two days to catch one. I'm always like, let's go bottom fishing, catch some grouper. So yeah, that's yeah, that's in in Florida's a great place for what was that. there I used every to a fish
0: time a where you're like, holy cow, I just keep pulling them up, keep pulling them up. Yeah, one one time, massive.
1: One. I'll give you a great story, Paul. Uh, Paul Palmer from. uh Casa Fernandez, who runs uh, 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 the Aganorsa in America right there. Him and myself and Carlos Sanchez, a guy who owned this company called Real Smokers down in South Florida. We went to the Bahamas one time. Carlos Carlos Sanchez, anybody that buys cigars in South Florida, he used to have a store down there called Real Smokers, right? This dude is a world-class fisherman. When I tell you world-class fisherman, so we went mutton snapper fishing one night. And we literally we have a picture of it. We filled the dock. We probably caught five hundred mutton snapper. And all that no. Carlos kept saying is, Them buff the Indians didn't save us any buffalo. He kept reeling them <laughs> in and we we had a Bahamian with us on the boat, right? So you can, you're under Bahamian law then on fishing. So literally he went back to town and that Bahamian, he had basically a fish market set up selling all Perfect. that fish. I mean, we're talking probably three to 400 fish. Wow. It was all, all night. night. Yeah. So it was a light. And what was really cool about it is Carlos Sanchez. This is a guy that's won these uh, big uh, Calcutta type of fishing where, you know, you know, 10 sure. $20,000 purses, dollar purses oh, and stuff. Oh, wow. Oh yeah. He's for, for real. And and he his, was just loving it. And his son is, is a world-class captain too so anyway so that was that's my best fishing story I have the pictures to prove it that's awesome and, and uh, we have not replicated that in that's a, a while but my stuff. son's getting older now so we're going to go halibut fishing this summer Yeah, when your kids are small fishing can be frustrating yeah. you know because you, yeah. you're tangling lines and tying knots and pulling hooks out of people's hair and stuff sure. <laughs> you sure. know when they get older it's a little more fun But uh, so I'm looking forward to those days when my, my, my two boys get old enough where they can do those kind of things and we can go fishing wonderful yeah
0: Thanks again for being on Boxfest, Jeff. This was awesome.
1: I'm glad you guys came down, and guys, keep smoking FSG.